welcome to the Author Wheel Podcast, where we believe there's no single right way to produce, publish, or promote your work. Only what's right for you. In every episode, we'll talk about common writing roadblocks and how to overcome them so you can keep your stories rolling. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Author Wheel. Uh, Today, we have another duo episode, so it's just me and Greta. And um, we're going to talk about genre and understanding your genre and why that's important and why that's such a huge roadblock for so many new writers and certainly was for me. Um, So to start off, before we really get into it, let's what is genre? I guess. Greta, do you want to define it? What is genre? Well, um, I think there's a a literary or movie sort of a definition, and and I've written it before, but I can't remember what it is exactly. But I think for our purposes today, we could just say it's the broad category of books as they would be shelved at a physical bookstore. So if you walked into Barnes and Noble, you have one section that's going to be mystery, you have another section that's going to be historical fiction, another section it's going to be fantasy and sci-fi are usually kind of jammed together, Mm -hmm. maybe a romance section and so on. So it's the broad category. Right. Right. And so for the general reader, Knowing your broad genre is often, you know, the first step. Like back in the day when you just went to a physical bookstore, like you just went to that section and then you browsed across all the books that were available. Um, And so that was that was enough. But now because of the e-retailers and because of online book sales and all of that extra information and the fact that what's what's the stat i think something like a a million books are published every well i don't think it's day but i want to say day <laughs> no it i just read it was it, the latest thing i read was about 2700 books a day 2700 books a day are published which is huge i think and that's yeah. just on amazon yeah I, I think that's true and of course what book is not available on amazon would be a book that doesn't sell anything i mean well yeah. <laughs> um, so with all those books out there, readers have needed to niche down and find a more narrow topic that they really enjoy reading and to find the books more easily. And so as a result, uh, Amazon is probably the the most niche as far as where, you know, the, the smaller subcategories that they go down into. But now there are subgenres, right? Um, and the subgenres are that narrow niche category as they're grouped on primarily Amazon, but all the other book re- retailers too. So you click down, you go sci-fi, and then within sci-fi, you're going to get military sci-fi and or you're going to get sci-fi romance, right? Those are the more niche subgenres. Um, and then on Amazon, where it gets really narrow, uh, those subgenres can go down even even smaller into specific tropes, like your protagonist's age, or like specific elements that, uh, objects even, like the magical sword in fantasy is actually yeah. a or like cozy mystery even has like culinary cozy mysteries or yeah. craft and hobby cozy mysteries. And 
So yeah, they, they really, and then there's animal cozy mysteries. And so, yeah, they, they, and I think romance is even worse. (laughs) I think think that's true. Absolutely. And, and just to define it again. So a trope, if you don't know, is basically an element of story that's common across multiple books that a reader gravitates towards. So it can be a setting, it can be a character type, it can be an object, um, subject matter or relationship types as well. The enemies to lovers, for example, in romance is a common trope. Um, so there's all sorts of different tropes that can that can categorize these books into very narrow subgenres. So why is right. this important? Greta. <laughs> well, well, I mean, there's so many reasons it's important. Um, from an from say a new writer standpoint, we won't even talk about selling books or marketing books, but just from a new writer standpoint, um, how to approach your story, you know, because say, say I was to say to you, Oh, Megan, I want you to write a story about, um, a suburban mother who finds out that there's some mystery in her husband's life that she didn't know about. And it's going to impact her life greatly. That is a broad storyline that could be anything. It, you could turn it into a, a mystery thriller. Like you could find out that the husband is really a serial killer and he's got bodies in the basement that she didn't know about. I just read a book like that. Um, it was that would freak me out. I, I don't know <laughs> it, was really, it was really <laughs> creepy. I, but I kept stopping and going, I'm not reading this anymore. And then it'd be like, but I really want to find out what happened. You got to read it to the end. Once you start it, you got to finish it. Or she could find out that her husband was really like a wizard or who time traveled through portals, which would be more up your alley, you know, mm-hmm. or it could be that he's having an affair in its women's fiction. I mean, it's just, there's just so many ways you can go with this kind of thing. So understanding uh, what readers of your particular genre are looking for is going to help you to structure your story appropriately because a fantasy is going to be structured way different than a mystery thriller, which is going to be structured way different than a women's fiction book. I mean, it does. And it even affects down to that subgenre level because fantasy is, is my go-to obviously for obvious reasons. Um, but when I first started writing, I wanted to write fantasy, right? So I wrote fantasy, but what I didn't realize was that there were so many subgenres and narrowing in on that specific subgenre can really help clarify what it is that you're trying to write, what your story is, who your characters are, all of these elements that will help the story itself be better. Um, setting aside the marketing aspect of things, which is obviously important as well, knowing the tropes of that particular subgenre um, and knowing that that target market for that subgenre can really help you write a great story. Um, you know, it, there's there's talk always of this writing to market concept. If you've been around for a while, you've probably heard the term. And what we're talking about is slightly different from that, I think, um, because writing to market is starting with market research and then a, and then creating a story to fit that market. Whereas what I like to do and what my approach is to say, let's think about the story 
And then understand the subgenre and that target market that you're trying to hit, that reader. I shouldn't say target market because we're not really talking marketing at this point, but but the reader that you're trying to satisfy, understanding that person um, and what they're looking for from the story that you already have. And so that helps just create those boundaries that you need to to craft that perfect story to just scratch that itch that that reader has. Right. Like a a good example, because I I agree with you. I do the same thing. And a good example of that would be my latest series, The Mortician Murders, because so I had the generic idea that I was going to have this person who was a hairstylist and um, she was going to get a request to do the hair and makeup for one of her clients who had died. And then when she went into the funeral home to do that and she touched the person's hair, she got this weird emotion, which she later figured out was she's getting the final sensations of the deceased when she touches their hair. So that's a, I, what I did, that's a great storyline. It's a fun storyline. I was going to write that storyline, but why not figure out some of the tropes and the and the things that what exact subgenre is that, and what are the tropes that are going to please those readers? So, in looking into it, I began to realize it's a paranormal mystery or a paranormal cozy mystery. What do people who who read those things like? They like a lot of humor. I was planning on putting humor because it's not a very serious kind of story anyway. Um, you know, I could throw. They like a slow burn romance. So I, that was easy to put in. That was fun. And they love it when your characters have pets. So she got a cat. So, you know, I mean, those are just things to add that are fun. Uh, anyway, that it can help you to kind of tweak or model your story uh, in such a way that you're going to find readers. We'll be right back. Do you ever wish you could sit in on a conversation with some of your favorite authors and listen to them talk about their writing process, their path to publication, and of course, their newest novels? Hi, I'm Marissa Meyer, best-selling author of The Lunar Chronicles, and I would love for you to check out the Happy Writer podcast, where every week I talk with other writers about books, craft, inspiration, and how to bring a little more joy into our lives. The Happy Writer is available wherever you get your podcasts or find us on Instagram at Happy Writer Podcast. And it can even be inspirational, like adding in the cat, right? Like, Yes. Oh, yeah. You, you wouldn't have done that had you not done that research, but I bet, I'm guessing, that it made it a lot more fun to write. Well, yeah, and in book three, I created a whole subplot around the cat getting lost because her because it gets scared by a dog and, you know, and all that kind of thing. So, it, and um, I've already had comments and reviews that readers really like that whole cat bit. So, yeah. you know. Exactly. So it's, it's scratching that reader itch. Which yeah. I think we all want to do. We all want to tell the best stories that we can that, you know, entertain people fundamentally, if we're writing genre fiction anyway. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's important. Mm-hmm. So I, it, I agree with you. So we're not exactly running to market. We have our idea. We have our story, our basic plot line, our character, whatever it is, our initial seed, story seed idea. But then, you know, tweaking it 
to make it a little bit more marketable is a lot different than what you said before, where you're starting with, okay, what's really selling? Well, it happens to be reverse harem stories. Well, I don't really read those, but what the heck? They're selling. I'll write one is a different, completely different thing. Yeah, exactly. So, Greta. Yes, ma'am. What mistakes have you made from not understanding your genre? Oh, golly. Let's see. <laughs> I know what I mine was, are. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try to restrict this to just a few <laughs> minutes because I'm sure I could talk about this for a really long time. Um, well, so the first book that I wrote um, and I was pitching around, um, I just, I, what I did is I mashed up everything that I love to read, I thought, into one book. I didn't know I was doing that, but that's ultimately what I did. And um, I was pitching it to agents. And I had this one agent say to me, uh, oh, and I was calling it Cozy Mystery. And there, I mean, I was calling, I'm sorry, Cozy Horror. And there is no such thing as Cozy Horror. But I I would probably read cozy horror. <laughs> well, I and won't I, read real horror. <laughs> and I actually think that my new mortician series, like <laughs> it could verge into that, but there is no such niche as that right now. Subgenre is that right? I think I make it, I made it up. But anyway, the agent told me I it, you can't really make up a genre and pitch it to agents. You gotta have to stick to one that's there. And then she told me what my book was, but she also said it's not a clear, it's muddy. That's what happens when you don't understand your, your genre. You end up with a muddy manuscript because the tone of it was kind of literary. Um, it had a lot of elements that made it feel like women's fiction or a romance. And yet I thought I was writing a suspense thriller which it never really hit the marks on those things, even though I wanted it to. So it was just a big, muddy mess. Mm-hmm. How about you? What's your big mistake? Mine's very similar, actually. Um, so like I said, when I started writing, I knew I wanted to write fantasy. And like you, I wanted to put all the things that I love yeah. about <laughs> fantasy. In the book. In I, think book. A, I think that's a really common new writer mistake. We don't know how to, when we first start out, we don't know how to tear tear down or be, be, I don't want to say be critical because that's part of it, but it's, it's that like, you know, when you're cooking and like, if you ever watch Top Chef, I love Top Chef. I watch Top Chef every season. Like I literally watched every single season. Um, and one of the common mistakes that a lot of these guys make in, and Kalikia will come out and call them out on is too many ingredients. You have too many ingredients. You've got to, you've got to tone it down. You've got to, you know, be, be um, more critical of what you're putting out there and, and, you know, be more precise, I guess. Cause otherwise you do, you end up with a chili that looks like dog food or something. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but everything gets muddy. All the yeah, flavors get muddy. And... It does. Mm-hmm. And so, so for me with, with Signore, which was um, not my first novel written, but the first one published, um, I had that problem as well. Now I was lucky enough in that it was definitely fantasy and it was definitely, um, you know, portal fantasy, adventure fantasy. So, so that worked. Um, but it was portal. It was a little bit epic. It had a secondary world setting, but it also had an earth moment. There were guns and some of my readers did not like that. They wanted just 
knives and swords, right? Um, and bows and arrows and and no guns, no modern technology. Um, that it was a, a little bit uh, a YA tone, but I had no intention of it being YA. I thought I was writing a more adult fantasy, and I don't mean adult in a romance, you know, spice level right. type way, but just for adult readers. Um, and and so it's it's kind of this hodgepodge of things. And readers do love it. It did win an award. Like, it's a good book, but it's hard to talk about and say, oh, well, this is what this is, right? Like, so it was hard to kind of find its place on the bookshelf, quite honestly. Um, And what happens moving into marketing, which is maybe this is a little jumping ahead, but what can happen when you do that is that it's, if a reader doesn't truly understand what they've just purchased and they think maybe it's something slightly different, um, that's when you often get some bad reviews because they thought they were buying this and then they got that. So the review isn't necessarily even a, a critique on the quality of your book. It's more the clarity of your book. You know, yeah. you sold them something that they thought they were getting something else. And then that really ticks readers off. Yep. So I guess, how did you sort of overcome that? What, what was your solution for clarifying your, your series? And ultimately, because I mean, the first book you ended up not selling, if I'm correct, right? That one that you said was a, was muddy. Um, Cozy horror. (laughs) You you fixed the problem in the next book. So, Mm -hmm. so what did you do? So I got this great idea that I would study up on my genre, which at the time was thriller suspense. Um, And I went to the library armed with a list of books that had won awards and or were bestsellers in the past three or four years. And that's another thing, too, to take a look at is recent books. Because if you're just reading old books, classics, they're very different. And um, I mean, if you're interested in selling a book to an agent, if you're just writing it for yourself, do whatever the heck you want. But if you want to sell to an agent or you want to sell to readers and independently publish, it's a good idea to see what's currently selling. Anyway, so I took that. I took a big yellow pad, got all the books out that I could find laid them all out on a table and I just began comparing things. So I began comparing titles and uh, length of chapters, the style of writing, title, I already said titles, um, the uh, tropes and the common story elements that were in them. And I just compiled all this information and then uh, went home and really thought through what kind of book did I want to write? How did I want to write it? I also got a book on how to write a thriller, you know, and I know there's books on how to write a fantasy and how to write a this and how to write a that. And those are super helpful too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was, to me, that was a huge, a huge help. And we, we do talk about that and give you the whole layout of how I did that in our quick guide to understanding your genre as readers or listeners are interested. Yeah. What did you do? You well, I was gonna say, as a user of that, that's how I learned <laughs> how to solve the problem as well. Um, was because of you, and because you know, we you had done this, and and then we taught that we were putting together the um original class on understanding your genre and the original ideas for it. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of brilliant. Like, 
I'd sort of casually done that or something similar myself, but never with the same structure and never with the same focus or intent. Um, it was just more like I, I read, a you know, widely within the genre. So I'd kind of incorporated a lot of that into my own thinking. And then, of course, as I um, got more involved in the writing community and in um, understanding indie publishing and and the right to market and understanding what that meant, it sort of helped clarify all of those those thoughts and ideas so that now, like my latest series, um, the Rise Rise of Lilith series, um, which is Aetherbound is the first book that came out back in May. So this is still this is still kind of early days on this one. But I feel like I have a much better grasp of where the story fits, what kind of readers it's going to fit, because it's a 20-something bartender protagonist, right? So this is not geared towards kids. Um, there's drinking involved. <laughs> uh, it's por- definitely portal fantasy. Um, and I was able to come up with comparable authors or comparable books um, and actually a movie, um, to sort of pitch it. So it's a sooky stack house meets Coyote Ugly in Laguna Beach, but with ancient gods and demons instead of vampires, right? So if you know those things, then you know exactly what this book is. And so I was able to tell the story that I wanted to tell with the character that I had in mind on the adventure that she needed to go on. But I was able to do that within the structures of you know, this kind of category box that sort of helped define um, what I was trying to do ultimately. So I I was able to parse out the important elements and not throw everything in the kitchen sink into the book. Yeah. And, you know, another really great thing to do. um, Actually, I do believe Sasha Black has recently written a book on this and I don't remember the title of it, but I'll try to find it so we can put it in the show notes. Uh, but one thing that I have also done, which I think is really a great tip, is if you want to write something that is sort of very, very genre-specific, niche kind of thing, like I decided just with my Seven Deadly Sins series that I kind of wanted to tackle a, a, a major mystery thriller story trope in each book, a different one. Mm-hmm. And for book... Um, book seven, actually it was, I decided, or no, it was book six. Anyways, one of the books, I decided I wanted to do a a locked room mystery, which is very, very common, popular trope in, in murder mysteries. So I found a book that had done very well, you know, hit some lists and stuff like that. That was a locked room mystery. And then I tore it apart. I analyzed it, you know, it's like, what happened in the first chapter? What happened in the second chapter? Like, uh, you know, when did the first body show up? How many people were actually killed? Now, you got to be careful with that because you obviously you don't want to plagiarize. But if you're just looking at, at it for structure purposes and not for uh, thematic purposes, like, oh, you know, their main character was a dentist. I think I'll make my main character a chiropractor. You know, not that kind of thing. But but the the general, like, when did they go into the setting that was going to be the locked room setting? At what chapter did that happen? Uh, how, how many characters were involved? Those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's... On it, 
Oh, and honestly, everybody has just imitated, um, you know, Agatha Christie's and then there were none anyway. So (laughs) yeah, whatever. Well, and I was going to say though, too, like it's, I think it's that, that analytical, intentional, um, critique, I guess. I, I mean, not that you're going out to say they're good or bad, but the analysis of it. I mean, that's what they do in film school, right? And we used to, my, my husband and I went to USC. And so we had a lot of friends that went to the film school. And we used to always complain that you couldn't watch a movie with one of them because yeah. they would drain all the fun out of it because they'd sit there and they'd analyze every aspect of everything, right? And so there's a certain element where you don't want to take it too far because you do still want to be able to enjoy the books you're reading. But by going through that process and analyzing things, then you can understand what those other authors did, why, and why it reaches readers in the way that it does. Um, and so that's that's another really good tip as well. And what I did was I went, when I've done this, I've done this a couple, two, three times. Um, what I've done is I've remembered books that I really liked and really enjoyed. So I read them the first time just as a reader for enjoyment, for fun. And then I, then I picked them back up and, and analyzed the heck out of them. Mm-hmm. And um, that, so, you know, you, if you think about books you've really, really enjoyed, that's another thing to do uh, because your enjoyment of them, there's a reason you enjoyed them so much, you know, figure out what that author did that hooked you, that satisfied your little happy reader heart. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I think we should probably wrap it up there. Um, So for uh, new listeners, um, in case you don't know, we do have our quick guide series, which includes an entire book on understanding your genre and how to write what readers want. So go check that out. Link is in the story notes. Actually, I think she meant the show notes. Yes. Did I say, yeah. what, did I say story notes? <laughs> story notes, but that's okay. <laughs> that works because we're talking about story. The whole yeah. <laughs> anyway, yes. And as always, if you have any questions or you want to just uh, you know, tell us what you think. We would surely appreciate um, it, either an email at info at authorwheel.com or just subscribe and uh, write us a review in for the podcast and let us know what you think down there. That'd be awesome. And uh, meanwhile, I hope that you are able to use some of this information today and that'll keep your stories rolling. Are you an aspiring author? Stop by www.authorwheel.com slash stuff to download the top five writing roadblocks aspiring authors must overcome. Thank you for listening to the Author Wheel Podcast, hosted by Greta Boris and Megan Haskell, edited by Jim Wilborn.